If every other appliance you encounter seems to want you dead, something's probably wrong with you. We're talking the Brave Little Toaster on today's... We're not affiliated with... Netflix. Welcome to KidFlix, the podcast where adults try to definitively rank every kid's movie ever made. I'm your host, Ross Wiseman, and uh, this podcast is not for kids, so turn this off and drag around a stuffed animal on the ground, accumulating more and more bacteria and dirt with every step. That was a hard one to say in one breath, but I was happy to do it. You just look utterly delighted right now. Yeah. Oh, you're being so polite by not talking, even though I'm talking to you. So, ha 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 ha. It's like, it's like a weird version of Jinx, but on the radio. So it's just me talking to myself. <laughs> but you know what? Let's, let's not beat around any bushes. I'm going to introduce him. He's an actor. He's a nice person. Uh, <laughs> that's really all I got to say about him. Uh, it's Ray Hopkins. Hi, Ray. Hi, Ross. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. In your, in your apartment. <laughs> on the show but yeah yeah how are you doing i'm uh, i'm doing pretty darn well yeah uh, you, ju- that you was just was a uh, that was a great intro i don't think i've ever had anyone introduce me like that before just an actor and a friend pretty much yeah well i'll take it i'm i'm happy to be a part of your happiness and uh, you just kind of came from you're in the throes of auditions right yep just came back from a callback for uh uh Mercutio in Romeo and Juliet, and then tomorrow I got a callback for Vice Principal Panch in 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Now, Mercutio, that's like, that's, um, isn't that Romeo's friend that gets stabbed? Or that's Benvolio, no, Benvolio is, um, I was in the show and I do not remember. <laughs> Romeo's cousin. Mercutio is his friend who gets stabbed. Okay, and, the, and he's kind of the one that the rest of the show, everybody's like, Mercutio died. Pretty and much, yeah. So you hope, I mean, do you hope to be Mercutio because you don't have to memorize that many lines, and even though you're not in the show for a good chunk of it, the show is kind of about you the rest of the show? I'd just really like to be cast. That's the point I'm at in my life. I'd like to be cast in things. I'd like to act. Well, you're right now you're being cast on a pod. <laughs> and, Starting off strong. And uh, everybody just deleted this episode from their app. Thank you for that. Um, but hey, I mean, if you rate and review us on iTunes, that'd be chill. Getting that in out of the way early, because I don't like to beg. Uh, but I'm not too proud to. Um, so b- one thing that both of us have in common um, is that we're both theater kids. Um, me, more of a former, and you, a current. I mean, I guess you're a theater man now, because, you know, you're in college and all that. What are, what are some of your dream roles, uh, theater-wise? Musical, play, whatever. Some, uh, well, the big three I've always had was... Uh, Inspector Javert in Les Mis, Sweeney Todd in Sweeney Todd, and The Phantom in The Phantom of the Opera. As long as I play those three, I'll, uh, I'll be pretty darn happy. And you've, pl- you've played Sweeney. Have you played Phantom? I have not played Phantom. Okay. I'm getting there, though. I'm working on that, that top note of his. Great. <laughs> I was going to be like, do it, but I'm like, I don't, that's going to be scary. Let's, let's uh, be courteous to my roommates. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, uh... <laughs> <clears throat> oh boy <clears throat> Jesus um, Boy that just We just had 10 seconds of pure uh, Anarchy um, What I was gonna say is um, Yeah high notes are Hard it's like I'm now that I've Cause I don't really sing um, 
a lot anymore because I mean you know high school with the shows and stuff you're always doing it when you're around theater kids all day all you do is you're just like let's sing Rent or whatever (laughs) but um, I remember I really wanted to be in uh, Chicago for a while like I think middle school maybe freshman year I really wanted to be in Chicago but um, the high note at the end of both reached for the gun and how long you have to hold that for the and holding that for a while, and then doing that gun right afterwards with just like a little breath, it's just overwhelming. Yeah, you know, um, it's... If you fall out of practice, it's definitely harder to do than if you if you stay at it. But if you if you go back into it, I'm sure you could, with time and practice, get back into that. Because that's... Uh, having heard your, your Frankie Valley, um, that should sit comfortably... Sort of at the top of your register. Mm-hmm. So if you if you really worked for it, you could you could probably do that. Well, yeah, I was gonna bring that up. Um, a f- a fun way that we bonded this year is, uh, so we're both we're both students at Temple University in uh, Philadelphia, and we uh, were walking back from the one dining hall, and uh, we had just Spotify open playing uh, the Jersey Boys soundtrack. And one weird thing with us is. Like we we we're good at doing like Zen harmonies. It's like be like okay, I'll take the lead on this one. Okay, cool, 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 and it just works out. Like, uh, uh, were you you were were you paying attention to us last uh, the other night when um, Shannon, a former ge- guest on the podcast, and Michael, you don't know who he is, um, podcast listener, but we were we figured out the harmonies perfectly for happiness from your good man Charlie Brown. I was paying attention to that. I that's not a show that I'm too familiar with, but it did sound pretty good. I'm not crazy familiar with it, and like, I'm, it it works a lot better than you think it would. Cause I mean, a a musical of a comic strip, like if they did Garfield the musical, which honestly surprised they haven't done. Who knows what's next? We've got SpongeBob on Broadway right now. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I I think I might. I'm legitimately gonna see if I can get tickets over winter break. From what I hear, they're they're pretty cheap. You probably yeah, that won't sounds have right. A, you won't have a pretty hard time getting those. <laughs> Rush tickets is a very very uh, lofty goal for them. Just like uh, yeah, people are rushing <laughs> to get these. Speaking of lofty goals, I'm gonna try not to say pretty from here on out because I've said it multiple times within the past two sentences i didn't even notice i'm gonna taper myself out okay cool and so should i next time you say pretty should i punish you in some way shape or form i think you should edit in a sound effect every time that i say it oh kind of like uh Wee's playhouse she's like that's the word of the day <laughs> uh you know what actually that voice you saying that would probably be uh probably be enough to get me to stop doing that Okay, well, fuck you. Um, okay, this episode is over a solid seven minutes. Well, but also, like, if you're talking, it, how are we, if you can't say the word pretty, how are you going to talk about um, that weird um, uh, robot in the pawn shop? You know which one I'm talking about? The one that had, like, oh, I know. motherboard? I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that, so we're talking, uh... Uh, the Brave Little Toaster today. I've been tiptoeing, trying to have as much just fun conversation as possible. Ray, tell me a little bit about why you uh, chose this film. Well, uh, this this movie came to me in a in a vision last semester. Uh, I remembered vividly images of the blanket from this film, 
only the blanket from this film, and I remember liking the blanket as a character when I was a kid. Don't remember anything else about this movie. But after watching it last semester, I was like, you know what? This is a kid's film. Barely. But it's... I mean, not barely. It, it's, this is not an adult film at all. It's, it takes some pretty deep dives for a kid's film. Ah, there we go. Yeah, I mean... Because, I mean, the history of this movie, I was reading up a little bit um, on IMDb, and this was uh, a passion project of John Lasseter, who, when he was in production to make this movie, uh, or right around this time, he was fired from Disney and founded Pixar. So, I think this was right at the end of his time at Disney. And uh, and we, we, we were talking about this on the walk over here, that this is a Disney movie, because it was distributed by Disney, but they really didn't have a hand in the process. They were very much hands-off. I'm pretty sure the uh, the opening title card says in a, a Hyperion picture. Yeah, I mean, and when you see Hyperion, you know, okay, we're in for a treat, right? Yeah, you know, uh, those those ancient Greek names really just, just make you think, wow, this is going to be a solid film. Oh, I love Syphocles' pictures. That's the only name I could think of. Do you mean Sophocles? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Syphocles, the god of uh, venereal diseases. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, some might say that you would rather get a venereal disease than sit through this movie. Some might be correct in saying that. So let's talk about it. So, brief summary of this film, and... I might have trouble, and I just wa- I watched it maybe three hours ago. So, uh, um, a bunch of household appliances, a radio, a lamp, an electric blanket, uh, a vacuum, and a little toaster. Uh, their, their master, a.k.a. the person that uses them, uh, hasn't been to the home in years. And they're like, we gotta go find him. <laughs> we gotta go to the big city the nondescript big city and find him and they go on a, a bunch of wacky adventures there are several dream sequences uh and they're eventually reunited and go to college every appliance is dream mind you this it took me so long to realize that this was a summer home that they were based in they don't discreetly say it until we get to meet the master and he says yeah it's a shame we had to sell the cottage yeah i also that girl that he was with i was convinced was like his like high school sweetheart no it's his sister i think that's his sister i think i thought it was his girlfriend that's what i thought too but i mean like the way they were interacting there was no like affection of any sort keeping in mind this is a kid's film but uh, i actually have a note about that um Let's, let's see where that is. Great. Oh, yes. So, when when sh- they are leaving to go up to the cottage, it couldn't be his sister because she's saying, wow, this is so cool. Like, this is what it was like when you were young. Your sister wouldn't say that to you. Maybe. Unless, unless it was a younger sister. They seem to be of similar age, of, of dating yeah, age. Yeah, that's true. I... I just did not understand her. I was like, she didn't need to be in this movie. She, not, she not really to throw, didn't. Not to throw shade. Also, I cringed and hated every single time uh, any character, specifically the blanket, said master. 
Yeah, that's that's a creepier vibe when you are older watching this film than when you are younger. I mean, like, I mean, adults made this movie, so they could have been like, I don't know. It's it's just always weird because a lot of movies and TV show they'll the characters will kind of use their own terms because, like, for instance, in The Walking Dead, no one ever says zombie. They all say walkers because they're living in a world where zombies exist or they're also living in a world where there aren't any zombie movies. So, like, sure, they're going to invent some dumb term like walkers, but, I mean, like, master for... I don't know why... I don't know why they didn't just say, like, oh, our kid or, like, our friend or even our owner would be good because i mean that's that's toy story they i toy story they just call mandy that's true and what's really weird is he's not the master like he is not the only one in the cottage who uses them yeah uh, that that was his, only his toaster <laughs> yeah uh mom and dad you got a you got a special toaster it's brave it's not brave it's, it's actually quite large four-piece toaster yeah it's a pretty good toaster very shiny some might question why he didn't bring that toaster at the end. Didn't he? The four-piece toaster? Oh, that the mean I, toaster. That I've just made up. Wait, yes. hold on. Wasn't there a mean... No, there wasn't a mean toaster. There was every other mean appliance. Toaster was not one of them. That's, that's right. Because everyone... Because a toaster is a toaster. Like, back in the 60s, when the, this kid was a kid, it was a toaster. You know, you just had toast. Nowadays, it's just a toaster. You toaster still toast. oven? No, it's just one of those uh, two-slot bread warmers. I don't understand why anybody would have a toaster when they could have a toaster oven. That's my hot take of the day. Now, that's a bit controversial. Sometimes you just want to heat up a Pop-Tart. You want to get it all nice and toasty. I mean, You it, just want a slice of bread. It, it's more convent Like, the heating convention is better when you've got it on both sides rather than on the top and on the bottom. Because, like, our toaster oven at home... You have to put a tray in. And if you put it on the tray, oh. like, then you're missing out on, okay. on even heating. Yeah, because we, we have the toaster oven type. This is riveting radio, by the way. Um, we have that toaster oven type where, it, where um, it, it has, like, the tray, or I don't know what you would call it, the rack on it. So you can just kind of put a piece or two of toast on there. But also at my work, we have that cool toaster oven where it's, where it's a toaster oven, but also... Um, it has slots at the top, so you can just kind of throw a bagel or something in there. See, and this is what we call the cutting edge. And at this point, I would like all the appliances in this dorm to start playing uh, popular 80s music <laughs> and start singing to me about being on the cutting edge. And one of you needs to be voiced by one of America's hottest actors, uh, which I guess in this movie at the time was John Lovitz. Now, I, I... And Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman was in this film, as everyone, pretty much everyone in this film was Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman did so much in this movie. He was the lamp in the pawn store. He was the air conditioner. He was one of the cars. He was... Oh, he was one of the cars. Yes, although I'd also like to say that he was also probably the magnet. Magnet didn't say anything, but I'd be, I'd be more than willing to bet that he provided the noise for the magnet. With that magnet, why why was that magnet so angry? I think maybe was he just excited that he didn't have to smash a car, that he could smash some very small kitchen appliances. I guess I also 
have pondered this question, why does the magnet hate them so so much? Also, why does the blanket get picked up by the magnet is my question. Well, it's an electric blanket, so it has a, it has a little metal in it somewhere. Well, I guess that's one strong magnet, but especially once, once the kid, and I'll, I'll refrain from using master. master, Good. once the kid picks them up, the magnet's still just like, nope, I gotta take these away from you. Yeah, I wrote, like, the, I wrote that down. I was like, nostalgia's great and everything, but there comes a time where you have to let go of your vacuum cleaner so you're not demolished by a junkyard. It's coincidentally enough, the demolisher, also voiced by Phil Hartman. Who's the demolisher? The, uh, the thing that was... Oh, you know what's weird? Everybody in this movie is voiced by Phil Hartman. I, I really hope that Phil Hartman uh, is, is looking down at us from heaven, smiling that we're watching this movie. And thinking, man, can you believe they liked me as not the toaster? Or whatever. Um, also, the guy that voiced the vacuum cleaner is Tony the Tiger. And the guy who sings You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. His name's Thurl Ravenscroft. Oh, Thurl Ravenscroft. I didn't know they were the same person. I mean, and he's dead too. So I, he's, I, yes, he's I hope dead. him and Phil hang out. You know what? I, I believe it. Even though they had their differences as a vacuum and, a, and an air conditioner, and literally everyone else and the vacuum. <laughs> the classic odd couple. <laughs> vacuum cleaner and air conditioner. Um, yeah. Uh, also, just like weird... Um, weird thing that the lamp did a couple times in this movie, um, his quote, like his lines are off. So he like will repeat certain words, kind of like when you're writing an essay and you forgot the beginning of the sentence. So you just basically write it again at the end. So I have a quote right here. He said, you can't even hear your thoughts around here with the racket around here. Like he said around here twice. That might just be a character choice. I was thinking that. Because Lampy is so aptly Great named. name. Lampy is just that nervous character type that I think that that's part of his his idiosyncrasy. That's true, because later in the film he does say, all of a sudden you're being so nice to him all of a sudden. That's that's also true. I I picked up on that one more than the uh, than the quote that you would use that I've already forgotten. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, you can't even hear your thoughts around here with the racket around here? Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, also the hair conditioner says, and he's yelling at this to the appliances, what are you going to do? Oh, he's saying this to the vacuum. What are you going to do? Suck me to death? So that's a classic example of like, ooh, a little joke for mom and dad. Maybe. Well, it's funny that you should bring up the humor at this point. And I didn't intend that for, to be a pun. That's okay. But, uh, cause there's some really dark humor in this movie. Like, for example, when the lamp talks about how he has burnt out his bulb, he says the line, I'm done for, to the showers. Now, who in their right mind put that sort of Holocaust quote in a children's movie from the 1980s? I'm, I was zoned out for just random periods of this movie. I did not pick up on that at all. And I didn't notice it until my roommate Josh from last year was just like, yeah, he says to the showers. He said it like that exactly, which is why I had to do that quote. Yeah, I mean, which is also crazy because like that, that was a fucking concentration camp thing. They would uh, like with Auschwitz uh, in particular, just because I remember learning it, 
uh, everybody would get off the train and they would sort them uh, like men, women, elderly, children. Elderly and children immediately. And then they would just kind of work them until, oh boy. Who would have thought that the Brave Little Toaster would yield the Holocaust? A nice, light-hearted film about a toaster and his companions. Here, I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring it up. Um, the vacuum at one point yells, Now get off of my face! Is that uh, after he saves the blanket from the tree? Yes. Oh, man. When the blanket uh, is climbing and his just blanketness turns into actual hands, I hated that so much. There was so much... Uh, I don't want to say deus ex machina from this, but deus ex machina. Because there was just so much convenience about inaccuracies in storytelling. And one thing that I've that I've noted was the the fucking air conditioner's suicide. Oh, the you mean when he's just jumbling and shaking himself so? Yes. And when he finally explodes and commits suicide, the master comes in. The kid, pretty sure they gave him a name. I didn't care to learn it. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, Rob. He, he comes in and he fixes the air conditioner. And the air conditioner works again. Does this mean all appliances are safe from death? Uh, I think so. I mean, kind of like toy, we kind of learned that in Toy Story 3. How, like, unless they're incinerated, they're basically fine. Even in uh, 2, Squeaker, uh, he was broken, but he just kind of hung, hung out on the top shelf for a couple years. If yes, that makes but sense. Phil Hartman's character just straight up died. How do you how do you save someone from death? And you just which also them. brings me to the point of the the uh, the junkyard scene. Yes, we watch all those cars get smashed. When all they good. need to do all they need to do is just uh, get a new windshield, maybe a. Tune up on that motor, and they'll be good to go. They are fine. I mean, that's just a commentary on consumerism in our in our culture. Like, we would rather just get a new one than fix our good old one. You know, wake this, up, people. This movie is deeper than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And that means I, uh, I'm having a very hard time believing the the truck from the reservation says I was just left here, and it's just like, why would you just leave your truck? Did, where per- where he, have you gone? He seemed that, perfectly operational. He he gave him. He was just like, I prepare for death. I am so ready for this. Please take me, Lord. I'm coming, Elizabeth. Uh, you know the Jefferson. Um, uh, my favorite is one of the cars uh, that's dying. She goes, I once took a Texan to a wedding. Like that was her big thing in life. Is that she she drove somebody from Texas to a wedding, or someone from Texas. To a wedding in Texas. Yeah, so like down, she drove down the street one time. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I will say, first of all, I didn't realize that this was a musical movie. And barely. Like, there are four songs, maybe, that just randomly appear. But they are good songs. I think the Junkyard one's the best. I'll agree with that. Good. The first one, where they're just having an adventure, they're just walking around, that one sucked. Because it's four minutes, I think. It felt like four minutes. But it's so catchy. Is it? Do you remember it? Oh, yes. I remember let's it. Get a little, let's get a little piece. All right. Okay. Time fly by in the city of light. Time stands still in the country. There's no time for a fuss or a fight. 
as we travel the land. You know what's weird? I just watched this, and I don't remember that at all. See, back in the good old days of my having Spotify, I listened to this because it was... These pieces are like earworms. They mm-hmm. just get stuck in there. And you just listen to them over and over again. And not because of your own volition. You'll just be sitting there. You'll be typing up a paper or something. Time stands still in the country. Oh, this fulfilling our ASMR demographic. Good work. Um, I'll, I'm like that sometimes, but with like old music video, like YouTube specific music videos, like I'll start humming auto-tune the news to myself. There's also, um, years ago, it must be like eight years ago or something, um, I saw this music video and bought the accompanying song on iTunes, and it was this, like, uh, I want to say Swedish or British guy singing a song about cleaning a laptop fan. I'll play for you sometime. It's, it's like, legit very catchy. It's, like, the whole song is just him detailing him disassembling his laptop and trying to clean the little fan uh, in the laptop. The internet is astounding. Which, shout out to the internet for providing me with the Brave Little Toaster. As I do not have this on DVD. Yeah, we found you found it for free on uh, YouTube. And it's a testament to this film that no one gave a shit about taking it down. They're just like, oh, let's just leave this up here. Disney does not remember this film. Disney does not want to remember this film. Well, I was saying it on the on the way over here. Um, I had never seen this movie. I didn't know anybody that had seen this movie until um, I had just walked by it a bunch of times at the kids section of Blockbuster, which I mean, like that's I mean I guess now that's kind of a Netflix thing. It's you'll just be like, what are these weird direct to Netflix sequels or whatever? Like you'll just see like just so many movies that you don't understand where they came from. Like, Blockbuster, that used to be the OG of that. Oh, yes, I remember my trips to Blockbuster quite fondly. This is the first of three films about the Brave Little Toaster. Yes, so they went from a quaint little adventure going to the city. The second one, not the third, not like some weird knockoff version. The second movie in the Little Toaster franchise is They Go to Mars. Now, I have not seen any of the sequels. I, I do know that they are quite a trip. As if this, this well, just, film wasn't... Well, just like the trip to Mars. Well, this, this film is a trip enough. But the sequels... One is about Mars. One is about being a pet rescue agency, I guess. I think that's what I've surmised about it. Wait, what's the third one called? Uh, the Brave Little Toaster to the Rescue. Yeah. Quite a, quite a uh, revolutionary name, I'd say. And this toaster is barely brave. The, the it, wa- toaster. it wasn't until the very end when he, he saves Master that I was like, oh, he is the brave little toast. Oh my goodness. I, I just came from a potluck, so I'm like hiccuping and burping. I feel very bad. He is the brave little toast. <laughs> Singular he, toast. Oh, this movie like fetishizes toast. Jesus Christ. Like, and by fetishizes, I mean just like like in cartoons when you see a, a cartoon character eat an apple and it's like so juicy and just perfect. Like that's what this movie is with toast. Like you see, um, you see the kid, uh, the master as a little boy 
making toast in the toaster and he's so excited he's staring at his reflection with wonder and then when the toast pops out he takes a big crunchy bite uh and then later he fixes the toaster by hitting it with a hammer and that's it fond memories and then he uh he makes toast and it jumps it pops out like in commercials and he grabs it takes a bite and goes aha or told ya i think he said aha because he then grabbed the jam and in a shot with uh, bread packaging that was mysteriously Wonder Bread-esque, but didn't say Wonder Bread for copyright reasons, he, uh, he put some jam on that toast and he ate that toast. But only the one piece. Because then we got into one of another dark parts of this film. And that was the toaster's suicide sequence. Yes. With, um, so toaster, the kid only takes one piece of toast. And so the other toast falls back into the toaster and starts burning. And again, this isn't how toasters work, right? mind you. Yeah, I know. Little kids, I guess, don't. And so the fireman comes in. But alas, the fireman is not a fireman. The fireman's a clown. Why is the fireman a clown? Because it's a scary sequence, that's why. And the clown takes the kid, the master, and just, like, drags him backwards through the door. And the toaster is mortified. And he comes back in, and he's ready. He has his hose in hand. He's going he's gonna to drown that toaster out. The toaster starts climbing away, and suddenly he's on, he's on a ledge, and he's hanging there. And what is he above? He's above a frickin' bathtub. Filled to the brim with warm water. And he drops. And he wakes up because of another plot point known as lightning. Oh, yeah. No, like, no character in a movie has ever woken up from a dream unless there is a lightning storm. It's just a common trope. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. It's nature's alarm clock. It's also uh, another one of those conveniently placed uh, deus ex machina. Machinas. I was about to say, is that the plural for it? I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. I didn't take Latin. Um, which... Brings me to another point that I that I took notes on. It seems as though having electricity is a moot point for them. Because so much of the film, Lampy could turn on his bulb whenever he wants, whether he's plugged in or not. Uh, Kirby can move around on his own, whether he's plugged in or not. Kirby is the vacuum? Kirby is the vacuum. Well, but they jack, they like low jack him with a, with a car battery that was just lying around. But when they're in the pawn shop, he's not attached to a battery. When they're doing the cutting edge sequence, he's not, a, he's not plugged in. Yeah. The use of electricity in this film is one of those game changers. Uh, it's a convenient plot point when it's necessary, but completely forgettable in other scenes. But not to me. I paid attention. I was ready. I watched. I saw when they were... Yeah, Ray was holding around. his toaster the whole time, being like, come on... Not saying that you were I in was, the bathtub. I was ready for toast. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back to discuss more Brave Little Toaster. Stay with us. And we're back. Still talking Brave Little Toaster. Ray, America, the world at large, needs to know. What do you put on your toast? See, I have always been a fan of the, uh, of the cinnamon sugar toast. Like the cinnamon sugar, like the cinnamon raisin bread, and then like the. No, this is a this is a recipe my mother taught me back in grade school. Oh, is this an exclusive? Oh, this may be. Okay, everybody, may be. everybody, open your notes app right now. 
All right, you got to take yourself a, a slice of bread. It can be any kind you want. I personally, I go for white bread. I find that this uh, this complements the flavor of this recipe. You toast your bread. I I prefer a lighter toast when I when I do toast. I know some people like well, it like because when you when you have that like burnt crust though, like I think burnt bread is all right, but like you need just kind of like a a nice light to mid brown crust. So you 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 toast your bread however you want it. Then you get your uh, you get your butter out, and you butter that that piece of bread all nice and buttered. You you get your cinnamon out and you get your sugar out and you just pour it on. You gotta make it even. Like you of don't course. want you don't want the sugar to overpower the cinnamon. You don't want the cinnamon to overpower the sugar. And the only reason you're adding butter is just so that it sticks and it melts and it gets in all the nooks and crannies, mm-hmm. is, is so to say. And that's that's my kind of toast. Did you know that Land O'Lakes has um, just a cinnamon butter? I did not. I think you should get it because I feel it make it makes your toast experience probably it'll make it a lot easier. Then I'd only have to add sugar. No, it, I mean it's like cinnamon sugar. It gets plenty sweet. Well then, what am I doing here? I don't know. Okay, we're gonna end the podcast. <laughs> um, uh, I remember in kindergarten or preschool even. Um, we did this thing called Monster Toast, which is, um, now that I'm thinking about it, it's fucking dumb. If if I remember correctly, and it, I might not be because this was, you know, 17 years ago, um, it was, uh, you, you know, make a piece of toast however you like, and I think it was melted butter. There would be, like, little bowls of melted butter, I want to say, or something like that, and you would, like, dip a little brush or something in it and you would like paint on your toast and it would be you'd like make monsters it would be monster toast um so so if you want if you still have the notes app open you can make that at home as well that was a truly riveting recipe i'm gonna have (laughs) to try that tomorrow morning um honestly i love uh just like uh just like a, a a piece of toast and right when it's hot out of the toaster you put some peanut butter on there, so it kind of melts a little bit, just because I mean, especially the, the the process stuff, because like natural, it's like a whole different ball game, and you're like this. I know this is better, but it's somehow worse. <laughs> As is the case with most natural products, it's better for you, not necessarily the better option. Yeah, it's like my my dad loves the peanut butter from Whole Foods. They they freshly grind there, and like yeah, it's cool and fun, but I mean like, I don't know. I like it's so thick. And it just dries your mouth because it's just, it's just peanuts. Well, uh, I, I can't say that I've ever had that. I'm very poor and cannot afford to shop at Whole Foods. I'm a college student, after all. Um, and I'm an elitist. <laughs> as, we can, as we can see from... The audience now can't see this, but as we can see from this dorm, this is not the, the dorm that screams high life. I mean, we have, let's see, over there we have several open boxes of cereal. There are two different open boxes of Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which is um, troubling to me. Uh, But hey, no, you have some nice stuff. You have one of those uh, uh, red copper um, frying pans, like the ones that have like that no-stick copper coating to it. At least that's what I think that is. Yeah. But also you have just empties. Like empty Pepsi and soda cans all over the place. 
but that's okay. Yeah, it, you know what? It'll get cleaned by someone sometime. I mean, well, we're we're recording this just a couple days before uh, fall break, and Ray, you gotta, you guys gotta clean this so that you don't get bugs. Because if you have if crumbs, crumbs, you'll get you'll bugs. Get bug. Crut. Shit. But um. But um. Uh, yep, that's a quote from Laughter in the Twenty Third Floor. Where my laughter heads at. Woo! Uh, but let's get back to laughter, or not laughter, shit. Uh, let's get back to Brave Little Toaster. Uh, one one part that I found fun was, so, um, uh, Master, he walks, so, uh, we don't see him for a long time. We still, we don't realize how much time has passed, which, like, in terms of a twist or reveal, I'm like, eh, whatever. Um, so we cut to Master, and he's living in the big city with his mom and his sister or girlfriend and uh he's getting ready for college and he's like oh i need to get some stuff for my dorm like a toaster a lamp uh, a radio uh, an electric blanket and a vacuum cleaner he's like oh i know i'll go to our old summer house and i'll pick those things up which it feels like they haven't been there in years and years and years and it took them 10 or so years to put it on the market you know, I, I'd buy into that story. I don't think that the, the Master's story arc was, was the fleshed out one. I thought, alright, this is a story about a toaster. That's pretty darn good. Let's package this. He's brave and little. And you know what? We, for, we forgot the kid. We forgot the kid. Alright, someone, someone give me a story. He needs it for college. Solid. A-plus for you today. And it's that classic thing in storytelling where they just miss each other. Twice. Yeah. Like, if the if the Brave Little Toaster and all of his friends, if they had stayed put for one day, it, it would have been all good. But staying put for one day is not good storytelling. I know. I've... This... Writing notes for this movie made me feel so much like CinemaSins... Do you watch CinemaSins on YouTube? I do. I felt like him, and I didn't like it. I was just like, ooh, uh, Toaster X Machina, ding, or whatever. <laughs> I don't really watch him that much anymore. Uh, but anyway, back, back to the, what I was trying to say. is, um, uh, he, So him, Master, and his sister-girlfriend walk into the summer home cottage, and he's like, oh my god, the place has been trashed. And... You look around, and we see the things from the beginning of the movie. So the AC unit is broken. There's a mattress on the staircase. There's an, uh, The refrigerator's empty, and there's a skateboard under it, and there's a pogo stick on the couch. So there's, like, some mess. But other than that, everything is in pristine condition. Like, everything's very clean. There's no broken windows or anything. He's like, it's been trashed. Now, everything else is clean because... Part of their daily routine before they head out on their journey into the city, they just do chores the whole time. Why? Like, there's no skin cells or dust entering this home. Because there are no humans. The only thing moving is them. Yeah. Why do they need to clean? And Toaster does the fucking lamest thing. I've been saying the F word a lot this episode. I'm okay with it, though. Because we said it's not for children. But, um, uh, what was I saying? I don't... Oh, yeah. So, Toaster at the beginning, he does the most camp counselor thing ever. Um, 
blankets like, I don't want to clean. I miss Misty. And then Toaster goes, well, how about we play a game? And they all go like, yeah, we love games. What's the game called? And he's like, no one stop until everything's clean. They're all like, ah, go to hell, <laughs> you fucking Toaster. Yes, I, I thought that uh, Toaster could probably work on his delegation skills. Just all of his skills in general. Actually, I think Toaster's kind of gender ambiguous. Because Toaster is, I think, referenced to as a he. Was voiced by was voiced by a woman. Yes. And it's very obvious that he was voiced by a woman. But Toaster is also an adult male. The only kid... Is he an adult? All The only kid in the film is Blanky. When you stop and think about it. I guess so. And they're all like, oh, he's crying. It's like, yeah, he's a kid. So it's kind of the brave little gender ambiguous toaster. The brave little gender ambiguous toaster. Not as catchy, I will say. Um, <laughs> uh, I forgot. So right when they, I guess, escape the house or whatever at the very beginning, they're walking outside for 10 seconds and the vacuum cleaner is like oh this is shag carpet and it's uh, grass like nice one and the lamp thinks the sun is a big lamp see now Ross yes if you lived in a house for your entire life straight out of the box in this universe you are an appliance straight out of the box you're in this house all you know is this house. I know. You've never been outside. If something looks like you, are you just going to say, hey, that's a big Ross? Probably. <laughs> that is true. I mean, when I was held captive for 12 years, and I, once I walked outside, I was like, why are all these Rosses helping me? I was like that kid from Room. Jack? Were you unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Yep, but I'm a boy, so I'm Kim O. Ah, you're right. Because we all know that boy names end in O, and girl names end in all the other vowels. I guess E works. As a boy. Kim. Kim. Nope, it doesn't work. But that's okay. Um, uh, I, I wrote just in big all caps, fuck the master, at 33 minutes, just because they are like... They're so excited about seeing the master again and kind of getting his love, but it's just, he has not paid them any mind in years and years and years, and it's so sad. Like, it felt like Stockholm Syndrome almost at times. Well, another actual Disney film that deals with animated objects, Beauty and the Beast, talks about how their aim is to please. So maybe that's just every appliance's aim is to please. And maybe that's why they call him Master. And maybe that's why they're so okay with him abandoning them and then just doing his daily chores for him. But it's also the... I would say the the objects in Beauty and the Beast, they, uh, they all kind of have their own personal lives and stuff. And that kind of stuff. Meanwhile, the ones in Brave Little Toaster, they seem to only be uh, concerned with the master like they don't seem to have their own kind of storyline and what have you well that's that's true but then again we've only seen the brave little toaster and his compadres for what a total of three days maximum yeah we don't know what their life is like i assume they've been in a stasis 
It feels weird being hyper-analytical of the Brave Little Toaster when there are other people in the room now. (laughs) Now let's delve into the Brave Little Toaster's psyche. Yeah, sure, let's do it. So we have this academic paper. Um, Yeah, I... I don't even remember what we were talking about, because I just... Oh, okay, here's a crazy thing. So, were those your roommates? One of them was. Okay, because I was just like... I don't know why, but I, I was getting a vibe that they didn't live here. Which has happened. That's it's, fun. It's, it's a time here yeah. in 311 West. Woo. Oh, no. Now they know. Well, we didn't say the building, so you're safe. Maybe. That's true. Even though we, they can narrow it down. If, you're, if you want to send Ray mail, do it. But make sure it's not scary mail. <laughs> um... Uh, what am I... Was, oh, yeah. So, uh, when John Lovitz, the radio, is, like, dying or whatever, they're about to die, and he's like, let me play this last song. He plays Mammy from The Jazz Singer. That's, you know, that scene where Al Jolson is wearing blackface. Hey, you remember that time when this movie brought up the Holocaust? Yeah. I'm not holding this movie to a very high standard anymore. But it's so weird because so many people involved with it went on to co-found Pixar, uh, kind of create modern classics that we hold in high regards. But, I mean, I guess you have to start somewhere, and it's Holocaust and racism. You see, they had to get it out now. And now being 1987. You're right. They were like, no one's going to see this. Well, you were wrong, John Lasseter. We've seen it. I've watched it at least twice. Maybe three times. I don't remember much about this movie from my childhood. Wait, how does that feel for you? <laughs> Seeing this film multiple times. You've you watched this movie twice this year. Yes, twice in 2017. Jeez. This has been the worst part of Trump's America for you, <laughs> is you watching this movie twice. Now, I don't want to get political, but... Sure. Yeah, you know what? I'll say that. You know what's funny? When Toaster said to Blanket, don't be a wet blanket. That's probably one of the only funny things uh, that actually happened in this movie. And then Blanket became a wet blanket when they were, you know, swimming in the river. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, Toaster, before this point, had a dream about dying in water. Toaster gets submerged in the river. Something's not adding up And they're floating on a vacuum cleaner. I don't think storytelling was the main point of this film. It's more like, see, we can make a... This is based off of a book. Is it? Yeah. It was based off a book from 1980 called The Brave Little Toaster. Like, I guess it was a... I didn't look into it whatsoever, but I mean, it was just like a bunch of, I guess, short stories about a a little toaster. Well, you know what? You would have fooled me. Well, good. I'm glad. Okay, so it's, uh, it's from the 1980 novel... Uh, the Brave Little Toaster. Uh, a bedtime story for small appliances. You know, that's a, uh, that's a new way to address the kids. Uh, yeah, Cindy, I'm just gonna go tuck in the little appliances, and then I'll be right back downstairs. Daddy, tell me the one about the appliance again. <laughs> they all drowned. Oh, poo. Ray, would you like to play a game? I'd love to play a game. Well... <laughs> And no, I'm not Jigsaw, so don't you worry. <laughs> oh, I was frightened of that a little bit. 
when I uh, when I was a kid, I was terrified of Jigsaw. Like I I've to this day I've never seen a Saw film, but I don't know if you remember, but I think it was Saw three or four, when it was uh when they were advertising it. What they did was um it was during a commercial break, uh bef- before they showed the full trailer, they would in between commercials show uh just have the screen turn on and it would just be the puppet like looking through the like old tv or whatever and that was it so it looked like that your house was part of the experiment and that freaked me out so much you just gave me such a heart attack right here like i can just imagine that because for the longest time i was afraid of chucky the billy joel Oh, no. Uh, I was afraid of Chucky the Killer Doll, and I was so afraid of that actually happening. So hearing about that sort of ad campaign... Wait, is being sending, scared of what? Like... Because, like you dying and being reincarnated in a doll? No. Uh, the TV thing. Like, I always thought, when I was younger... Um, younger being, like, in, in the... Five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit more than that. Oh, okay. I'll say seven. Um... I was so aff- like I, I had these like nightmares of my tele like just watching the television and it being hacked, and just Chucky appearing on the screen and like physically talking to me mm-hmm. and like threatening to murder me. So hearing about that is really that's that's one of those nightmares come to life kind of thing. But you, but you also you recently um, became a Chucky fan. Yes, I conquered my fear. Um, having already played Sweeney Todd. My tolerance for gore has gone up. So after after that, I watched the the original It films. Oh, uh, both parts, and I thought, wow, this is very lackluster. And that came out two years after the first Child's Play film. So I watched the the entirety of the Child's Play films, and I laughed more than I was afraid. So I'm definitely getting better with horror. Well, I watched The Exorcist a couple years ago, and it was not that scary either. I think it's like a classic, but there, I don't know, it's not, there wasn't really anything that was that crazy. Then again, I watched it with a bunch of comedian friends, and I made sure to make jokes the entire time so I couldn't get scared. But even when there were little lulls in the jokes, I was like, this isn't that bad. Which is a solid tactic, and I think that has to go with horror only works so long as it is relevant. Because back in the 80s, the thought of a doll coming to life on its own was like a novel idea. Because all you had back then was Teddy Ruxpin and friends. Mm -hmm. Now everything we have is, oh, well, if you even look at this thing, it gets up and gets you a beer from the fridge. Yeah, and that's why Black Mirror is so scary. Have you seen Black Mirror? I have seen a few episodes. Yeah, because it's scary because it's tapping into current fears. I mean, the old Twilight Zone is just like... All he wanted was some alone time, so, uh, and now he can read books because everybody else died, but he broke his glasses. And that was, like, the scariest thing ever, I guess. Yes, and now it's just, it's, horror is a sign of the times. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I don't really watch that many scary movies because, uh, they are too scary. But you've watched The Brave Little Toaster, and for some people, this would be terrifying. Uh... And I watched Cabin in the Woods, which isn't that scary, but I mean, it's pretty good. Have you seen it? Did the appliances come to life? Um, no. 
that's where the parallels with Brave Little Toaster ends, I uh, guess. Oh, damn. Uh, so, we're gonna... We said a couple minutes ago that we are gonna play a game, and we're gonna play a game. So, all movies have kind of promotional material that they use to kind of hype you up in the film. So, we're gonna see if Ray can guess what some of that promotional material... Uh, we haven't played in a little while, but it's time for Guess the Tagline. Me saying... So uh, I'm going to be using uh, the tagline that I found for uh, the poster of the Brave Little Toaster. And yes, that rhymed. And no, I did not intend for it to rhyme. So um, give it your best shot, Ray. Usually uh, the, the taglines that I choose to have my guests guess... Uh, involve like a dumb pun of some sort. So put yourself in the shoes of somebody. It's it's the late 80s. Uh, you were basically thrown out from Disney. So you want to make a cool tagline that's clever and will capture audiences' imaginations all over the world. Um, now, this being my first time on KidFlix, I'm not familiar with this game. Am I going for... Am I taking this seriously? Ah. Uh, or should I just throw out what I think would make the perfect tagline? You know what? I I mean, I would go with what you think would be the best, because who knows? If you think it's the best, maybe that's what John Lasseter and the gang used, but probably they didn't use. Oh, I'd be surprised if they did, because my guess is for the tagline of the Brave Little Toaster. John Lasseter says... <laughs> yeah, this already weird tagline. If this film flops, my career is toast. <laughs> that is a very good guess. John Lasseter says if this movie flops, my career is toast. Unfortunately, Ray, that is not the tagline. Damn it. The correct tagline for the brave little toaster, and this is according to Wikipedia, is plug into the adventure. That's it. That doesn't even have anything to do with toast. Yes, it does. You gotta plug a toaster in. Ray, it's so simple. You simple little man. <laughs> you. Actually, I'd say I were, was quite complex in that answer. Yeah. I'd say everything... My answer was everything but simple. Oh, you had me at but. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh my god, can you tell that I've had a long day? <laughs> uh, no longer than 24 hours at maximum. Jesus Christ. Well, today was a big day because I finally got, I got like a good night's sleep because um, the past week or so I've had so much work to do and I'm just like pushing it all until the nighttime that um, like last night I was falling asleep. I was on FaceTime with somebody and I was just nodding in and out and I was like, you know what? I probably shouldn't stay up an extra two hours to do work tonight. So I like actually got like seven and a half, eight hours of sleep last night. And I feel great. But now my body's like, we want more of that. And I'm like, no, no, no. We're not treating you two nights in a row, body. How much sleep do you get, Ray? On average, about six hours. That's probably about the same. Doesn't it start to really wear on your body after a while? Yeah. You know, I, I will say that. It's, it's torturous sometimes. Like some days where I'm just like, yeah, I guess this is what my life is going to feel like. It's a struggle getting up. For my history of theater class. What time is it? It's at 10 o'clock. Oh, what? That's not bad. 
See, when you don't go to bed until 2. Uh, but it's also crazy, because I remember uh, in high school, um, I had to get up at 6 a.m. every morning, and school would start at 7.30. I mean, and I would go to bed. Oop, I would go to bed at like midnight, 1 a.m. most nights, maybe 11 if I had had a long day. But like, I did that pretty easily. And I, I want to get back to that place where I can. Welcome to college, Ross. Ugh. I'm on, no, I'm on my way out. Don't tell me welcome. Don't tell me not to laugh, just sit and putter. Did anyone say welcome to college, Ross, like that when you first came here? Not even my RA. Consider it my duty and my pleasure to extend a welcome for you to come here. Thank you. It was very much like not a huge deal when I moved into college. I remember my my mom got a like was just talking on the phone for most of the drive up, and my dad was like, "Come, dear," or whatever. And my mom was like, "I'm talking to somebody from the shul about something that we're doing next week, or whatever." <laughs> I think my drive up was was a lot of sobbing from my mother because my mother cares. Yeah. But uh, also a lot of you know I've never been here before. Let's uh, let's see how this goes because I didn't I didn't come to Temple or Philadelphia for the first time until orientation. Before I came here, Temple was a but snap didn't you, decision. Didn't for me. you audition? Did you have to audition? I did not, and that's why I wasn't a musical theater major. Well, oh, got it. Because the four plus one major was four plus one is theater plus English education. It's a very good program. Just wasn't for me. Um, but four plus one, you didn't have to audition for. You just had you just had to take the classes. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I and there was no entry. I wish there was a little bit of like an entry or kind of like a portfolio thing for communications, because I mean, some of the people that are in communications classes are just very much just coasting because they're like, yeah, like communications, I guess. You know. I mean, that's really any major. I guess there are just people that are there because they think they want that but they just will not make up their mind or put in any work well they can only go so far once once they get into the full swing of things once you start having like my my roommate from last year was a film major and he's telling me about how he is in a four-hour color correction class boy oh boy post-production like, that's when you start figuring out that's what you want to do. Yeah. When you have to take those long classes about things you don't really care about. Education. Well, my, my big thing this year is comparing how I network and interact with professionals with how others do it. So I'm in this, like, senior seminar class that we have to take to graduate. And um, we talk a lot about LinkedIn and that kind of stuff. And, and we've done elevator pitches, that kind of stuff. And it's crazy how bad some people are. And just, like, saying who they are and what they like to do. Like, that seems like a pretty straightforward thing. Like, I would just be like, hi, my name is Ross. I love media production. I've always loved TV since I was a kid. And it's always been my dream to be a part of it in some line of the production process, whether it be writing, directing, lighting, editing, anything that I can do. And just being genuine. But it's, it's like, weird to me that that doesn't click for some people. Like, they have to write everything, every little bit down on note cards, you know? Well, and you having worked on Smash and done theater, you've had to go into a room and explain yourself, and you've had to uh, sell yourself to get parts. 
There aren't a lot of people who have to do that. A lot of us in the theater department, we know how to do that because the first thing in every audition, hello, my name is Ray Hopkins and I'll be doing such and such a piece from such and such a musical or play. Yeah. And so it, it depends on the type of person and what they do because there are some people who will go through um, their entire college career and they won't have to do something like that. But, and it's also, but I also remember doing theater and stuff, and I'm sure you see it too, where it's people that still, like, they know what they should be doing, but, and they, it just doesn't quite translate from their heads to their actions. Like, they'll be shaking everybody's hands too much, and they'll be, like, way too overly excited. Well, there are also nervous tics. Yeah. Those are just some I don't have any. <laughs> Gulp. Aren't you lucky? <laughs> Yeah, I'm just generally nervous, so it just kind of seems like I'm just cool and natural. That's how you get them. Yeah, I wear a diaper to every job interview, just in case. Not not really, future employers, if you've been listening for a full hour. If so, kudos to you, and if you like this podcast, uh, I'm available for an internship next semester still. That's a solid I need plug. A, I need to work on that. I really do. That's been like one of the big things on my list. I have a lot that I just need to do tomorrow, so maybe I'll see how much I'll get done. But anyway, Ray, we've been beating around the bush. It's time that we rate this thing, okay? So um, here on the podcast, we rate everything, uh, every movie, every TV show that we watched uh, into four criteria. Uh, Audience respect, plot, acting, and humor. Uh, You can rate everything on a scale of zero to five you can use any specific minute decimals you want uh and then we'll average our two scores together at the end and we'll see how it ranks compared to our other films that we've reviewed sound good sounds great great so ray let's start with you what did you think of audience respect and this is kind of how the filmmakers kind of treat the tone of the movie to the audience like do they kind of talk down or do they treat it like it's a movie for an audience whoever enjoy I'd say that the, the filmmakers took this film pretty seriously. I'd say that they had to explain some things, but when you're writing about uh, a world where appliances come to life, you're going to have to explain some things. Like how electricity works, sometimes. Yeah. For, for audience respect, I, I'd give it a solid 3.8. 3.8? That's actually right on the money for what I gave it. I gave it a 3.7. Because, I mean, I, th- I think you're right that uh, this movie this movie isn't, like, really pandering. It's not uh, as bad as, nearly as bad as some of the crap that we've watched on this podcast. But um, it definitely isn't spectacular. It's just kind of, like, shrug and just... It, it definitely, the movie holds your hand when it doesn't need to. Right. Yeah. Uh, what, what about plot? Oh, man. This film happened... Yep. We were talking about all those uh, doisex, doisex machinads. Deusex machina? Yep. I tried my best. <laughs> now, for me, this film was not memorable for its plot. I remember this film solely because of Blanky, as I said earlier. That being said, I'd give the plot a solid 2.5. It didn't make sense, and it had a lot of redeeming factors. And hearing that this was based on a book is kind of surprising, and I'd like to know how well the book was received for it to be made into a film. Yeah, that's true. It could be kind of like how, like, Shrek, because, I mean, 
Shrek, I guess, was semi-popular as a book, but it just kind of happened. So, there's that. <laughs> I was actually trying to look up to see how it was um, received. Um, oh, okay. According to Wikipedia, uh, so the author... Um, said that he was unable to publish the story as a children's book because publishers thought the concept of talking appliances was too, quote, far-fetched. We got a movie of it. That's right. We got three. Huh. We showed the publishers wrong. Wait, is this for adults? The book? That would, so, ex- that would explain how dark this is. So a reviewer for the New York Times said that it was a wonderful book for a certain sort of eccentric adult. You know who you are. Buy it for your children. Read it yourself. Well, that just uh, harkens back to that one real player in the pawn shop. Or in the part shop. Yes. And he kept being like, ooh, we just got a shipment in today. Oh boy, you're lucky. That was the last one. I don't know if you noticed this, Ross. Probably didn't. During the, the worthless sequence, which is the, the junkyard sequence, the TV is talking about carcinogens, and it says, huge tumors on rats. Then proceeds to say, we have pictures and I don't want to look at them. When he takes the pictures out of the filing cabinet, it's a woman with bare breasts and stars over her nipples. No way. Go back and look at it. I'm, it's such a minute detail that it just, it's a blink and you miss it sort of thing. But having watched that, I was just like, oh man, they put the connections of, you know, big tumors and boobs together. And then it's just like, oh no. I mean, they what are boobs, but just tumors. Another level. That's what I say. I also was, con- even though I knew it wasn't, I was convinced that the, the TV announcer was Paul F. Tompkins. I'm not familiar with his work. He's a comedian. Look him up. He's great. Uh, He'll do. What did you think of uh, the acting in this? So I don't know how well-versed you are in kind of judging uh, voice acting. See, I've, lo- I've watched a lot of animated things. I felt that this, this movie had the problem that a lot of animated movies, and specifically animated movies from the 80s, have. And that's where it'll take a giant pause between dialogue at points. Mm -hmm. Where it'll say something, and then a few seconds later it'll pick up with the next part of the dialogue. I've noticed that a lot. However, I will say that the performances that the the actors gave were pretty convincing. Phil Hartman's air conditioner is still as freaky now as it was at the beginning of the year as it was when I was a kid. Um, I actually was feeling quite anxious during that scene, and I knew it was coming. That being said, I'd give the I'd give the acting a solid solid three point six. Very generous of you. Um, I I wrote these right after I I wrote my uh, ratings right after I watched the movie, so I probably am a bit harsher on it. Uh, but I gave it a two point eight. Just, I think partly because I hated the blanket voice so much. Well, that's a problem when you bring children on to voice act. Mm-hmm. Like, he was an actual child. He voiced both Blanky and the Master as a kid. The guy oh, who yeah. So, so that could definitely be an influence on it. And I'd really like to attribute most of the, of the score that I've given to John Lovitz, Phil Hartman, and Thurl Ravenscroft. 
just because when Kirby speaks, it's so it's such an antithesis to everything else that's going on. He's mm-hmm. so juxtaposed because everyone else is, oh, it's right up here. This is the sort of voice we're speaking with. And then he just comes down here and He's here like, he is. get off of me, pilgrim. <laughs> get off of my face, pilgrim. Uh, yeah, that's, that's fair. I, it's just that, that, that voice was, want to know something weird? I was looking on IMDb fact trivia just because I love looking at that after I watch a movie. And the woman that voiced uh, toaster, her son um, uh, was in the army and uh, was starting his tour in Afghanistan and so she came she went to drop him off for deployment and apparently other soldiers brought toasters with them and asked her to sign their toasters There's a certain level of fandom that comes with any film All the, All those toast heads you know what? That's. I think that you should christen the fans of this film Toast Heads. I would love to. Even though I call every fandom just blank heads. <laughs> I'm very creative, I think. You could have said Brave Heads. You could have said uh, Little Heads. You could have said Toaster Heads. But no, you said Toast Heads. And I think that that's a, a worthy judgment. I didn't say The Heads. I should have. That would have been great. Plug into Adventure. Beep beep, John Lasseter says, uh, if this movie flops, I lose my job. Are you yep, proud, that's, that's Are you proud that I, I remembered yours? Yep. Uh, finally, Ray, what would you rate the humor in this film? I would actually say that the humor is, is pretty good for the film. For the most part. Barring the, the rat tumors and the concentration camp moment that I think was meant to be a joke because of the, the goofy accent that they gave to him when he said it. There was some pretty solid humor in this. Uh, just I'm a, I'm a fan of puns, and a lot of what they did was puns. And specifically, uh, Ross, you may have missed this, when Toaster is saying, we're going to go outside, we're going to find the master, he drops down a box, and on it it says, Clino's Soap. He literally got up on a soapbox to address and rally the troops. Oh, I didn't notice that. I just noticed how they were, they seemed to be trying to make me laugh and I was not having it. See, if you don't take this, this film at face value, if you just take it for a, if you take it at a metaphysical level, this film is actually pretty good. For the humor, I'm going to give it a three. Whoa. Not because I want to give it a three. I'd want to give it more. But just the kind of jokes that they do with uh, the the jazz singer mm-hmm. and Lampy's Holocaust reference. That's why I can't bring it up. Lampy's Holocaust reference. Classic. Uh, and I'm giving it a 1.9. Simple as that. I did not find this movie very funny. Uh, there was, I think there were two times that I smiled and chuckled. But I could not tell you what they were because I had to slog through this whole movie. So crunching the numbers, that gives The Brave Little Toaster a score of 3.037 or 3.04 out of 5, which is all right. Um, looking at our past movies, um, Brave Little Toaster is just a tiny bit worse than Shrek 2, like a couple hundredths of a point worse than Shrek 2. Uh, but Brave Little Toaster is a little bit better than 
and I have to look a little bit, but okay, Brave Little Toaster is better than the Frankie Muniz movie, Big Fat Liar. So take that, Big Fat Liar. You see now, Brave Little Toaster did not have as much Paul Giamatti. But, uh... It was definitely heard at score. <laughs> right. So I guess that's... I guess that's a fair trade. Fair trade? That's how I like my peanut butter. At Whole Foods. <laughs> Alright, it all came full circle. Ray, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this. I, it was my pleasure. Is there anything that you would like to plug at this time? So it's, I mean, we're, we're just about to celebrate Thanksgiving... If that affects what you plug at all. Not really. Uh, I will say, uh, if you can link my YouTube, I have a my own copyrighted song on there that I'm trying to get views on. It's called Suffer. It's a piece for four pianos. And uh, any any listening to that would definitely be much appreciated to get my work out there. Well, fantastic. And uh, I actually have something to plug. Next Thursday... Uh, November 30th uh, at 10 p.m. I will be at the Philly Improv Theater doing a new show called Philly John Song, which is just a um, a parody song show, kind of like uh, The Voice meets Weird Al. And uh, I will not reveal what song parody I am doing, but um, I think it's going to be really fun and dumb. Also, you were talking about before how pretty you, you were saying pretty a lot. I've said but um so many times this episode specifically, and I feel very bad about it. Well, if you follow it up with another bum, you just get milt. Yeah, another laughter on the 23rd floor reference. Well, that's coming up on December 4th. So if you're if you are a student at Temple University, because I think you have to be a Temple a Temple student to come watch. Actually, now that I think about it, there were some parents who got in. So I think if you can justify getting into uh, Annenberg Hall... Tell them you're a fan of kid flicks, and they will let you in. Or they'll be like, what is that? And you'll be like, oh, it's this like movie podcast. And then they'll list 500 other movie podcasts before they list ours. But uh, that's December 4th at 8 p.m. at the Tomlinson Theater. At Tomlinson Theater Rehearsal Hall at Temple University. Yeah. Uh, I will be acting as Milt in a scene from Laughter on the 23rd Floor which Ray is directing, which is also why we've been making laughter on the 23rd floor jokes, but only the first scene, because that's all I know at this point. Because that's all I was assigned to do. Mm-hmm. Bare minimum. Growl. <laughs> that seems... Oh, <coughs> like my throat just got super dry for a second, and I nearly died doing that. Much like the humor in this film. Hey, take that, John Lasseter. You haven't done anything since. Uh, you know what's crazy, though? There is an alternate universe where this movie tanks and John Lasseter quits animation. And there's no such thing as Pixar. And probably Frozen and Moana were never made. I think it's... What's really funny is, did Disney end up buying Pixar? They did. John Lasseter works for Disney again. Well, yeah, well, I think also he's just in charge of animation at Disney now. Like, I think he moved on from specifically Pixar to just kind of head the animation department. John, you didn't need to do this. You proved yourself, all right? Johnny. Here's Johnny. That's what he says every morning, and people are like, okay, we get it. (laughs) 
So that seems like a good place to end before I cough again all over the place. Um, so thank you for listening to another edition of Kid Flicks. We will hear you next week. Go, go, gadget, and show. <laughs>